This hour sponsored by Dell Technologies, enabling digital transformation for media workflows. is NAB Show Live. We're here today with two gentlemen talking about a topic you may not have heard of called virtual production. Thanks for joining us. Directly to my right is David Moran, who's head of Epic Games Los Angeles Lab. And next to him is Brendan Dowdle, Chief Operating Officer of Array. Hope I haven't mangled your name. So first of all, I'd like you to introduce yourselves in terms of what your company does. I think we've all heard of Epic Games, David, but what is Epic Games Los Angeles Lab? Well, Epic Games um, is the maker of the Unreal Engine, Mm -hmm. which is used to do many games and use increasingly in uh, all kinds of industries to do real-time visualization. And as the use of Unreal has developed in other industries, uh, Epic Games is opening offices and labs to help the users of Unreal um, develop and support their work uh, in visualization. Oh, that sounds really, really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to tell us some of the projects they're working on Absolutely. a little later on in our conversation. Yep. Now, Brendan, I've been following virtual reality, but I'm, I'm new to your company. Tell yep. us a little bit about when you were founded, what you do, how you intersect with the virtual production world. Sure, of course. So Array is um, a machine learning and computer vision platform for Uh, media and entertainment, and we're really targeting uh, automating some of the very manual processes that go into creating high-end visual effects or mixed reality content. And so our first solution, which we're launching here at NAB, is uh, called Deep Studio, and it's a software suite that allows our customers to essentially leverage machine learning in their workflows to automate things like camera tracking, object tracking, and in the future, matting without green screen, uh, uh, extracting depth information from the scene. So what we want to do is really simplify the process of extracting the scene information and scene geometry and actually stream all of that information into a game engine like Unreal um, to allow mixed reality content to occur much more freely and easily for our customers. Interesting. Now, have, have the two companies worked together? Do you, have you interchanged? Yes, at Epic, we uh, encourage the work of company, companies like Array to use the, the engine as a platform right. to develop a lot of the, of the content. We try to provide the, the hardcore real-time Mm-hmm. Uh, tools, and uh, we have many partners at NAB that are using the engine. Excellent. Well, for those uh, who are watching who may not know what virtual production is, let's talk a little bit about what it is, maybe what it isn't. And I think there's probably some films you can refer to as examples of the use of virtual production. Yes, virtual production is a long history, in fact, that goes back in the film business to uh, Robert Zemeckis. And um, maybe the first one was the Polar Express, when there was a lot of motion capture that was used to capture actors and bring that information in the virtual world and then do all kind of things that are impossible to do with real live action. The One of the highlight moments was Avatar, which yes. was a virtual production movie entirely done uh, in that way. Um, and uh, it was also a, ni- a highlight in terms of cost and expense. Uh, it was an expensive movie to do. And ever since then, um, virtual production has been a kind of an aspirational process that has become more and more affordable 
to uh, normal filmmakers that have normal budgets. And that's really what we're seeing now with the Unreal Engine uh, coming into the scene from the gaming side to the film and TV and a lot of other industries. Now there is a tool that's affordable. You can use it for free. It comes in with a lot of built-in tools to do virtual production and a lot of openness to get our partners to, um, to bring their skill set to the virtual world. And now I think to understand the benefit of virtual production, you kind of have to look at it from the point of view of the director in a way, don't you? I mean, what did, what did Jim Cameron want that virtual production gave him on Avatar? Well, Jim Cameron wanted to do um, a movie that looked like a live action movie, but taking place in a faraway planet with aliens. And that had been done before with normal visual effects that have this uh, post-production model where you, you shoot your actors on a green screen or on a set with nothing and you ask them to imagine that there'll be you know, a planet and aliens and all kinds of things. But Jim Cameron wanted to do it at a level that was nearly everything was going to be digital, but right. he really wanted the performance of his actors nonetheless. So he essentially, um, in his mind, as he's done for many other movies, kind of created a blend of the technology and the art that would suit his creative goal was to visualize on set this world so that the artists, the create not just the actors or the directors, but the director of photography and the art department and everybody on set could have a view of this world. Uh, even if it was a low resolution view, it was enough to give um, people on set a sense of what they were shooting against. And it made a better movie. It's, it's perhaps the biggest success of Avatar that this movie resonated so much to the audience worldwide in an emotional level. And it was an entirely digital movie. And I think for, for directors and actors, everybody on the set to interact with things that aren't there is a lot more difficult than interacting with even proxy CG images where you can... Yes, it's about providing um, uh, the, uh, the virtual world to the normal filmmaking and TV making process. Right. Yeah. It, it's interesting to me that it goes as far back as Polar Express with Robert Zemeckis. It does. And there has been many movies since then. And in parallel, the broadcast world, like here at NAB, yes. has been doing a lot of virtual sets. So we walk here and there's a, a large number of companies doing one form or another of virtual set for broadcast. Many of them are using Unreal Engine now to be able to bring the next level of 3D assets into their world. Um, so the, the, the Weather Channel, the Future Group, uh, many uh, of our partners, uh, Zero Density, are on the floor and are using the Unreal Engine to, um, for broadcast. And the, the common thread is that you want to bring real-time live computer graphics to your application so you, you can see what you're doing, you know, you can shoot what you're doing the way you do with normal live action. Right, excellent. So Brendan, talk about virtual production from the point of view of your company and what you're doing. So, so it's really interesting to hear all of the history and we're trying to, you know, we're kind of the new kids on the block and trying to make it even easier for our customers to, to leverage virtual production techniques. And I think for us, virtual production is a creative enablement for our customer base. It allows them to pre-visualize the final comps in the, in the scene as they're filming. Um, so we actually, we partnered with um, uh, Unreal or Epic Games, The Mill, um, uh, and did an advertisement with GM, which is called the Blackbird, um, where we provided the tracking solution behind the Blackbird. And really the benefit for The Mill and you know, the ad executives at GM was that they could see the, the Camaro in the shot as they were filming, even though that Camaro wasn't there. 
And so for a variety of reasons, cards are not available for the actual ad, but to give the ability for the director and the ad executive to understand how that commercial is going to look um, was something that was um, a, a huge value proposition um, and was able to, able to be accomplished through kind of state-of-the-art computer vision machine learning. So what we want to do is just make it very easy for these techniques to enable creative freedom for our customers. Now, I remember the Blackbird project. I believe I wrote about it, and it was at the time that that occurred that was pretty breakthrough, correct? Yep. I mean, explain again what were the ways that, was this the first time then that this kind of virtual production had been used in an ad, or? Um, so this was the, well, this was the first time, at least for certain, it was used on a, an, a car commercial. I'm sure correct. it's been used in, in studio environments, but, um, the mill came to us with a challenge of we want to be able to track this car um, with sub-pixel accuracy um, from a mo another moving car uh, on a road. Um, and so what we were able to do is create a piece of software that was able to provide the tracking of that object without any additional hardware. It was a purely software-based solution so that they could pre-visualize that uh, CG vehicle in that scene. Um, and that was all being rendered with, with Unreal and then streamed back to the directors and the production crew that was executing on, on the, the advertisement. So. Now I'm curious, you said a software only solution. What is the benefit of that versus a hardware based solution? So a lot of the virtual production solutions today, at least in terms of extracting the um, scene information, like where is a camera in three-dimensional space? In computer vision, it's called pose estimation of a camera. Where are objects in three-dimensional space? Pose estimation of objects. This is all largely done with a lot of hardware, whether that's attached to the camera, whether that's through mocap systems. So through machine learning, we're able to essentially learn and memorize objects in the scene, the scene itself, and actually can precisely predicts the pose of the camera and pose of objects in the scene just through um, what's called inference, the inference step of the machine learning model. Um, so eliminating the need for hardware and allowing our customers just to use their, their broadcast camera or their cinematography camera or even their iPhone. Right, and I know car commercials are kind of the most challenging in advertising. They get the most money, the most attention. So was this the first time that the two, your two companies worked together? was on yeah, this project? This, this, this was indeed. So yeah. this, um, and I believe, you know, um, that there was a bunch of people at the mill and Epic and, and Array that came together to make, make this, um, to make this, uh, you know, this possible and it was presented at GDC in 2017 and really is kind of where we started to get our feet wet within the virtual production space. You know, it's interesting because I know Epic Games has been around, I don't know what year it was founded, but it's been around for a fair amount of time, as has the Unreal Engine. What technologies have enabled this game engine technology to cross over for its use in media and entertainment? In, in other industries? Yes, yes. The, the, the most important feature, if you want, is the ability to keep a frame rate. It's, it's a simple feature, but it's a very difficult feature to implement and keep on going in a software in general. We come from um, computer graphics in all of our industries uh, since the 1990s, have had the goal in uh, most industries like film and TV to achieve photorealism, you know, to achieve uh, the ability to create worlds and characters that are undiscernible from real life but that came at the cost of very long render times. And the whole industry developed in, in broadcast and in film and television and others where um, post-production was the place where you could, you could create those worlds. There was no other way. Uh, 
but and it left the creators and the filmmakers, in the case of film and television, um, with a blank screen, on a green screen, or on a set that had nothing to show. And because of the benefits, because people want to go see those worlds and those new things in theater and TV and everywhere else, people, this a market developed. But the creative side of the industry coped with it. You know, it, it's more, it was more of a, this is the way it is and there's a benefit, so we'll do it. But their normal process is really to shoot something live. And in order to bring the power of visual effects and virtual sets and all of that to the live action side, you need to insert yourself into essentially a video workflow. And the video workflow works at a very specific frame rate. And you have to insert your computer graphics at, at that level. So Unreal Engine, since the beginning, because it's been developed for games where interactivity and play is essential, it has to keep the frame rate. Every engineers at Epic um, have a little window with a frame rate uh, of what, whatever they're doing, and they always have a, a frame rate target. And if they, and if their renders go be, below 20 milliseconds, say, it, uh, there's a warning that comes up. So it's like every seconds you're aware of the frame rate, and that gives you an engine that es essentially will hold frame rate, and you can sync with video to do virtual production, particularly in the case where you bring live action and uh, CG together. That's the most fundamental feature. So when it became possible to bring those assets at a level of quality uh, that was near the quality of final renders in, in visual effects, uh, then uh, the engine was the perfect, uh, the Unreal Engine was the perfect tool for the, for the job. That's very, very interesting. And from your point of view, Brendan, what are the, what are the technology breakthroughs that have enabled your company to launch? Well, really, um, you know, the advent of the GPU, the amount of data that now exists, um, the, um, uh, the compute capacity of the, uh, of the uh, computer chips that exist today, I mean, that's all really been the predicate to allow machine learning to be useful and cost effective to, to, customers, to customers today. So, and then where do we see this evolving over time? Well, machine learning has this, um, um, uncanny ability to really understand our environments and to extract the kind of essentially the, the raw data or the you know the all of the the bits and information from the scene um, um, and and distill that in a way that it can be useful for uh, production workflows, post-production workflows, um, and beyond. And so, you know, what we kind of like to think of, you know, if you compare Epic and, and maybe Array or virtual production is. There's, um, you know, we definitely see the gaming world merging with, with live action. Um, you know, the gaming world is trying to solve for photo real in terms of computer graphics, whereas live action is trying to solve for, well, how do we take the live action and, and it's almost the inverse graphics problem. How do we bring it into a game engine, distill it into its bits, make it manipulable, um, and make us essentially a digital copy of the reality that can be as um, modifiable as if it was created as a game. And so those two technologies are starting to merge and they're merging in virtual production, uh, which you know, transcends just the production workflow, but broadcast, studio broadcast environments, live events. Um, um, so we're starting to see it all happen in these, these types of environments. And so I really see kind of the, the future of this space really kind of evolving beyond just virtual production, but kind of being present in essentially any piece of content that, that, that you watch. And, and David, how do you see artificial intelligence uh, impacting 
Epic Games? Well, there's many applications of artificial intelligence at Epic Games at large when it comes with dealing with large worlds and data and um, worlds that you want to be alive without having to necessarily animate every piece of it. And in production, there's also a, a number of ways to, to be able to, for instance, with the camera, you know, we, we really need to capture, track the point of view of the camera. This is extremely important in the process of virtual production. Uh, you can do it with tools, um, you can do it with your iPad, you know, with the sensors that are on the iPad, and we have a tool for that. But it's not very precise, it's kind of loose, it's good for uh, scouting, but when you get to real production, you need to be able to have something that is locked. And uh, AI can help in a number of ways. You can get so close with the data, and you can be so precise with the way the algorithms that you are that are um, prescriptive, but then you often need um, a bit of a descriptive push on top of it with uh, referring to a lot of external data to kind of hone it in, and a AI can help you in that way. And Interesting. It can help you with the non-playable uh, characters, right? Uh, if you populate a scene with uh, uh, crowds and um, uh, a lot of actors that, that are not really driven by anyone, AI can help build huge scenes as it has uh, in visual effects. Well, we're almost ready to wrap up here, but I just want to give each of you a, 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 a 30 seconds or so to describe. If we were back here next year, what do you think we're going to be talking about next year? Where is this going? Where is this leading? It seems like democratization of the technology is, is one of them, but where are we going? Absolutely. So we want to bring virtual production specifically from a very specialized, high-end, expensive tool and put it back in the hands of the filmmakers. Right. Yeah, and we feel very similarly. I mean, we really see, you know, through AI, through the um, advances that you know, Epic Games is making with kind of real-time rendering through the game engines that this is going to become a technology that's going to be so simple to use that even someone on their iPhone one day is going to be able to create similar effects and similar quality content as James Cameron did with Avatar. Sounds exciting. And the developers in, in the lab, are they working on these kinds of applications? Yes. We're all over it with our clients and our partners. Great. So that means uh, when are we going to start seeing some of the results of the, what's going on in the lab? Oh, there are. They're up. You can come see us in our booth in the South Hall. All right. Tell it's, us where to find your booth. Okay. <laughs> it's in, in the South Hall uh, in the Studio Experience booth. Excellent. And do you have a booth here? Yes, we do. So we are in the North Hall in the startup area. So we have a demonstration of our Deep Studio product. And then our Deep Track is being used to fuel the tracking on the Future Group booth in the South Hall. So. Wonderful. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you. And thanks for shedding more light on virtual production. Let's make a date for next year. That sounds great. All right. Thank, thank, you. thank, you. thank you so much. This hour sponsored by Dell Technologies, enabling digital transformation for media workflows.